Welcome to Big Game Hunger, a show where me and a guest craft the big next game every episode. We'll be taking three random ingredients and blending them into one incredible game. I'm Jenna Steber, and I crave content. And I'm joined by Zalavir Nelson Jr. Zalavir, who are you? And what do you have a hunger for? I am a creative director in games. I run a studio called Strange Scaffold, as well as work on a bunch of other games, like the upcoming... Uh, Defenders Quest 2 Revival, as well as the new South Park game that just got unveiled. I did a bunch of writing for that. So what I'm craving today is tang, something that's tangy. I want to spark at the end of my tongue specifically. I will not stop until I get it. Okay. Uh, When was the last time you drank tang? I've never had tang. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, we had a thing of tang growing up because for some reason I remember we had to get it to feed our guinea pigs. I think the guinea pigs needed some vitamin that was in tang. I feel like your veterinarian <laughs> might have had a kickback deal where they're like, you know what? Uh, looks like your guinea pig needs tang, honestly. <laughs> you really got to get them some tang. Yeah, that's fair. Mainstream doctors, human doctors get a lot better endorsement deals. They get it from like, I don't know, weird allergy medicines and stuff like that. But Colgate. if you're a vet, yeah, if you're a vet, you've got to search really low. The orange juice used by astronauts? Yeah, I'll take a kickback. <laughs> Okay, something tangy, something that's going to spark on your tongue. What I'm imagining is like, have you ever had like a sour, like a lemon candy that was so sour it kind of made your jaw tingle? I have not had the jaw tingle, but I have had okay. the the teeth tingle. So it's when you, you got that really sharp, again, flavor uh, where you, you know... Something's happening. Something's happening on my teeth. <laughs> my parents are going to have to pay for it. I'm having fun. <laughs> I'm so curious if that is the same sensation and if, if it means something that it manifests in different parts of the mouth. Because I feel like some people know that jaw tingle and some people don't. Mm. But like, why? <laughs> why would that be different? Bodies are so weird. Can I tell you my favorite intestine fact? <laughs> Yeah, please. I would love it. Uh, just on the thread of bodies are weird. This isn't a non sequitur. Yeah. This is totally within flow. So I love it. The small intestine is the only part of the body that has to be pinned down when removed from the human body because it is the only part of the human body that it that remembers its intended shape and attempts to rearrange it regardless of its location. So if someone's doing surgery on, say, your bladder or something, they move aside the small intestine. The small intestine says, you know what? This isn't the shape I'm supposed to be. I remember what I'm supposed to be. (laughs) And it tries to rearrange itself outside of your body. And so they have to pin it down in various configurations. uh, And then when it comes time to putting it back inside of you, they have to make sure it doesn't uh, tangle itself up in the process of assuming its intended shape. That's wild. That's wild. Why do you know that? I worked on Space Warlord Organ Trading Simulator. Oh, of uh, course. Of course you did. Okay. That would be a good way of learning that. And I think scripture says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, but yeah. people brush right over the fearfully part to go right <laughs> down to the wonderfully. <laughs> <laughs> and you had warning. You should know there is a horror inside of your body. And 
It's and that's part of what makes you special. That's why it's that's that's part of why it's good that you're here. Your intestine knows that's beautiful. That's kind of beautiful. Is that not part of the beauty? Like your intestine knows what shape it's supposed to be and will will seek that shape out. It's like one of those. Have you ever seen those hoses where when you're done using it, it it's like accordions and it like accordions back into a perfect circle? Yeah, that's that's what our guts are. <laughs> that's, that's what's in your guts. That's what your guts are. <laughs> this is such a good start. I'm going to roll these dice. We're in it. I'm into this. All right. Our numbers are 18, 15, and 12. And that means nothing to anybody because only I can see the sheet. Those uh, are decent numbers, though. We we would pass at least one AC check. Yeah, we're we're in the uh, above the tens, which is unlikely for a three dice roll. Okay, here are our, our, our options. Our premise is kitten cuddling. Okay. So that is that is the concept. Mm-hmm. Our adjective is contemplative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and our type of gameplay is roguelike. <laughs> Great. Uh, so how are you feeling about these words? Do you want to stick with them? Because we can also re-roll any of them if this is not the right vibe. A lightning bolt has struck my brain. <gasps> Already. And the name is Waiting for Garfo. And it's... <laughs> <laughs> the idea of contemptibly waiting for a lazy lasagna loving cat who may never arrive and the pursuit of this endless wait you may die in the process <laughs> or maybe you'll drink a substitious white substance at the doctor's office <laughs> John Arbuckle is the perfect roguelike protagonist you can't tell me otherwise because I'm convinced that he dies in between various strips of Garfield wow wow okay I mean that is very much like a Garfield without Garfield vibe right which is mm-hmm. like that that kind of ominous kind of existential crisis <laughs> Garfield comic but it kind of makes sense that he dies between between every every run and then he simply does not remember but isn't that also scary because like garfield has really evolved over the years both visually and in his attitude so mm-hmm. the idea that john arbuckle would go from that first garfield iteration to the modern garfield iteration with no no transition is really alarming to me I mean, I think we've all had this experience of being groggy and waking up in the morning and looking at your pet. And if someone told you that was a different pet, a part of your brain would doubt. It's like, yeah, yes. I, I guess yeah. that that isn't Aramis. That's huh. <laughs> I've, I've had stories of friends who they were caring for a cat and their cat started acting different one day. And then an identical cat walks in sometimes months later and that is their cat so they were just taking care of a weird identical cat a doppel cat you were parent trapped your friend was parent trapped but with cats (laughs) that's the plot of the parent trap (laughs) so what if we applied this parent trap principle the ptp to garfield (laughs) and you're kind of waiting to see what garfield you encounter and then i guess we have to figure out what what is the resolution of that story? Because I, I think I'm waiting for Godot. I don't know if Godot ever shows up. I know the name, but I'm not wait. fancy enough to have read it. <laughs> uh, I've never read it, but I've heard it as a radio play. Because it is, I believe, a play intended to be a play. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe, I think the, the plot of waiting, I don't think 
Godot ever shows up. I think that's the point, right? Is like you're waiting, but he never arrives because it's a metaphor for God? Question mark. Uh, <laughs> it's been so long since I've read it or hit listened to it, I should say. But I let's let's for our sake go with the premise that Godot never shows up. <laughs> and then people can text us once that we're wrong and not not a bunch of times when we flip back and forth. I think Perfect. if we did Waiting for Garfo, which is incredible, by the way, uh, and Garfield never arrives, what is what what are we getting to? Like, what is our, our goal? Is our goal just to wait? Because then where is the game in that? I think maybe... This can be akin to certain types of time loop visual novels. Slay the Princess is a perfect example. It just came out recently. It looks beautiful. We're, I'm friends with uh, that dev team. Hi, Black Tabby Games. You make amazing stuff. The, the things in Slay the Princess is the very, very clear premise is, hey, you have to slay the princess. Don't believe her lies. And through a few seemingly simple steps, you end up wildly changing the course of that game. And if we're doing a waiting for Garfo, where you never meet the princess, in this case, Garfield, <laughs> the idea of, hey, you've got half an hour until Garfo arrives. Do you stick some lasagna in the oven? Do you put your foot down and put a chain around the refrigerator? The idea of, <laughs> a good, as John has tried, the idea of, there is an entity, perhaps horrifying, perhaps mundane, mm. and it's coming in an hour and a half, and that's how much time you have to prepare. And so the game is activating a number of story paths or conclusions based off of what you do in this small slice of time. That might work. Okay. I very much like a 12 minutes vibe where it's like you do have yeah. like this, this very limited amount of time to prepare Okay, I like that. And then and then it's like you're in John Arbuckle's house, presumably, and you've mm -hmm. got access to a series of different things that you can interact with. And the interactions, I think, would have to be pretty deep, right? Like it, it, this has to be a very well fleshed out house with lots of different ways to set up and prepare just based on your knowledge of what Garfield's whole deal is, which is loves <laughs> lasagna, hates Mondays has some uh, related IP characters that we'll delve on. Uh, okay. And then at the end of each of these runs, does a Garfield arrive? Garfield kicks down doors. And the idea of the very distinctive foot silhouette of Garfield kicking down the door <laughs> and you see his silhouette and, and like your camera is and John like runs to the front door, you hear a and then a slam as the foot kicks through the door and you see the silhouette of what Garfield you received and then it cuts to black. Okay. That feels strong. That feels filmic. Yes, yes, very cinematic. So if okay. you choose the ending, I really like what you said about deep interactions because if John Arbuckle, if there's not an ending where John Arbuckle can grab a sandwich from the fridge, go into the shower, turn on the shower, and just eat a sandwich lonely <laughs> under the shower head, then we aren't doing this license justice. But the idea of you, you're in that shower, you're eating that sandwich, the door... Uh, bell rings, you run out, you see the silhouette, it cuts to black, and then maybe we detail the epilogue via uh, simple, strong, bold, art film-style text. I feel like that there's something in there that could work. A sandwich is the worst food to take into a shower. <laughs> I cannot believe that was your poll of all the foods. But no, you're right. Yes. Well, and yeah, I think, I think you, 
now you don't have a sandwich. You have a bread and cheese and meat and some lettuce. And if you want to spend your 15 minutes uh, making a sandwich and going into the shower and uh, I assume openly weeping as you wait for Garfo, uh, then you can do that. I really love that. For accessibility's sake, we would have to go into, we'd have to have an uh, option in the, in the options menu to adjust camera shake because I would want for the standard player experience, just racking sobs (laughs) and your character and your, camera bouncing up and down as John eats his sandwich and heaves but for the sake of people with motion sickness we do have to create uh, alternatives yes Yes, there has to be yeah you've got to be able to there is specifically a John Arbuckle uh, full body motion sickness from crying option that you can turn off and it's only specifically for that because that's the only time that effect takes up uh, yeah, that's very responsible. I feel like there's all kinds of things. Like, I feel like the John Arbuckle crying system is underrated in this game that we're discussing because cutting onions and John Arbuckle begins Ooh. weeping and he can't stop. Yeah. Oh, the idea of what action you do. If John starts crying during it, you cannot stop it. And so you're trying to simultaneously <laughs> do actions, but not put him in a state to cry or reflect on his existence, because then you'll be locked into a course of action for a short period of time. Okay, you just said something that I really want to hone in on. Mm-hmm. I love this idea that John Arbuckle cannot spend this time simply waiting, even though that is the name. He is waiting for Garfo. He has to spend this time doing something because that is how he is trying to escape the existential dread from closing mm. in on him. He has to keep active. He has to he has to find something to spend this time for. The other thing I wanted to hone in on is what if the length of time that these time loops is is the amount of time it takes to make a lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and as uh time is passing by, you see the lasagna in a clockwise pattern disappear. So when you hit reach half lasagna, you know Garfo is nearly home. Is nearly ready. And and uh, you better hope that you do have a lasagna ready. But I think that's the obvious thing. I think people, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to open your cupboards and they're going to see all of the like hungry man meals that John Arbuckle makes because I don't think he really cooks for himself because that's his vibe. Uh, (laughs) Hungry John meals and a lot of lasagna noodles. And you clock those lasagna noodles as a player. You're going to be like, oh, obviously, we're waiting for Garfield. The way that we prepare for his arrival is to make lasagna. So I think a lot of people are going to spend a lot of these loops trying to make lasagna and trying to make a good enough lasagna for Garfield. But that's never going to get them. To, to the right ending, you know? Yeah. I feel like there's also a critical choice point here where we determine how dark this tone goes because mm-hmm. if you as a player have gained the skill to make yep. your lasagna, yeah. does John also have a copy of the Anarchist Cookbook and would he make <laughs> a bomb to put inside of the lasagna? Is there a version of the John ending where he snaps? And the last thing you hear from Garfield is... Did you think you could trick me, John? <laughs> God. God. It's horrifying. I don't know why. That's a really, really bonkers to think about. I do. I mean, there has to be somewhere he snaps, right? There just has to be. Part of this does rely on 
how chill the IP holder is. Um, who who owns the IP of Garfield? Um, it's John. Is it John Davis? Jim Davis does. Jim so, Davis. oh, since 2019, Paramount Global has owned. It seems the Garfield license, maybe even in its entirety. Huh? Because I feel I feel like Jim Davis. There's there's been some weird stuff that has had the Garfield IP attached to it. So I feel like Jim Davis was probably probably pretty loosey goosey with it. I don't know about these. I don't know about this. From 1981 to 2019, Pause Inc. owned Garfield, and then Jim Davis sold Pause Inc. to Viacom mm. with everything, including global merchandising and existing licensees. So mm. the only two things which they do not own are the live-action Garfield films from 2004 and 2006, which are now owned <laughs> by the Walt Disney Company, as well as the upcoming Garfield movie, which is distributed by Sony Pictures. So okay. we know Paramount owns it, except for we can't... We would have to do separate arrangements with the Walt Disney Company and with Sony to get those versions of Garfield into the game. Yeah, this is a pretty... <laughs> I don't know if... <laughs> I don't know if we could get them on board with waiting for Garfo, a contemplative roguelike uh, game in which you try to appease this god-esque figure. <laughs> but, but Paramount, maybe? As Paramount long as, long as like, you don't... Yeah. The more people you get into the room, the harder it's going to be for them to all agree <laughs> what, mm. what explosive device you create. Will it have nails in it? Who knows? That's that's the decisions of, of, of Sony Pictures. Okay, let's. Well, okay, that would be if we were making a Garfield IP. Obviously, this is Garfo, which Garfo. is a separate. Oh, you're saying we can go full parody? Yes. Oh my gosh, that changes everything. Yes. Yeah. Let's circumvent all of these big groups. They're not going to want us to do. They're not going to want us to make <laughs> our art the way that our art needs to be made, which is uh, sometimes with an anarchist cookbook in it i just think that's only fair we're, i think we're it's... tours here and no one's going to stop <laughs> us from fulfilling our vision <laughs> what a cursed word you just created <laughs> <laughs> yeah our garfo is an unrelated ip he's mm-hmm, a sassy mm-hmm. yeah she's a sassy yellow mm-hmm. cat who loves rigatoni <laughs> <laughs> she loves a, co- a, a rigatoni bake, uh, as everyone knows. Uh, okay. Rigatoni and zucchini. That is the waiting yes. for Garfo signature. Uh, yes. This opens up so many possibilities because you don't have to worry about IP holders anymore, especially exactly. as, as far as the role of John in this story. And he could still be named John, but now he's got a J- an H. You can't <laughs> sue us if John has an H in the name. It's distinct. It's a totally different name. Yes. John Buckle. <laughs> J-Bone to his friends. Old J-Bones, uh, John Buckle, uh, who lives alone and has kind of a sad life. Uh, but he's got one beautiful thing, and it's his cat, uh, who is, I guess, missing? Is that how we're going to start this? Is that that Garfo is missing? No, I think I think, unfortunately, our tone is a little bit locked in by mm. there has to be a dread. Of <laughs> the return, the, the return, the return is the Garfo okay. is out running an errand. Okay, you you have your instructions. Garfo doesn't even have to tell you. You know what to do. You need to make a rigatoni. <laughs> so, will you obey? <laughs> Okay, 
I, the, the premise you're setting up is sort of, um, yes, like a dark ownership where, where John is in fact the pet, not Garfo. Garfo is the master and John is the one that must serve her. You can argue that's the relationship most people have to their pets. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's kind of, this is the parent trap of it all, right? Is like, are, are you, who are you even caring for? Who is this little person in your house? Uh, what a grim picture of, of pet ownership you've just painted. <laughs> this is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful wife. The Talking Heads uh, <laughs> song, uh, what is it, uh, Once in a Lifetime? Yeah, uh, yeah, same as it ever was. Yeah. I feel I like that has to be in the trailer and that has to be the signature. Every loop begins <gasps> with, same as it ever was, same as it ever was. <laughs> I'm, re I'm reminded of the TV show Russian Doll. And they're yeah, yeah. gotta, get, gotta up, get up, gotta get, gotta up. get out. Yes. Once yeah. in a lifetime is, is ours and it sets the tone. Okay. okay. I, I weirdly I feel like the talking heads would be into this <laughs> 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 in a way that Disney and Sony would not have. So I'm into that. Okay. I hope you're enjoying Big Game Hunger and heck. I think you'd really enjoy this other podcast in the Multitude Collective called Pale Blue Pod. Pale Blue Pod is an astronomy podcast for people who are overwhelmed by the universe but still want to be its friend. Astrophysicist Dr. Moya McTeer and comedian Corinne Caputo demystify space one topic at a time with open eyes, open arms, and open mouths. From laughing so much, and from the jaw-dropping, and from chatting. By the end of each episode, the cosmos will feel a little less ah, too scary and a lot more, oh, so cool. New episodes of Pale Blue Pod release every Monday, so check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, let me tell you about Tab for a Cause. Tab for a Cause is a browser extension that lets you raise money for charity while doing your thing, the thing you do online all the time, which is opening tabs. With Tab for a Cause, whenever you open a new tab, you'll see a beautiful photo and a small little ad, and part of that ad money goes towards a charity of your choice. As of last year, Tab for a Cause helped people raise $1.5 million for charity, all by leveraging the power of opening a new tab. Tab for a Cause supports charities like The Bail Project and Point of Pride, so whatever charity you feel strongly about, you can have ad money sent directly to them. You can join Team Big Game Hunger by signing up at tabforacause.org slash bgh, or click the link in the podcast episode description. What we were suggesting earlier is that there's a quantum element to this Garfo, where yeah. Garfo, where John isn't isn't certain what must be done to appease Garfo. Like we don't know if it's a rigatoni. He assumes we assume that it's a rigatoni because that is the Garfo that we know and love, this beloved ancient IP Garfo. Garfo. Um, yeah, but is that it's is so that something fun to say? It is a waiting for Garfo. I can't believe you hit on it so quickly. It's just so pleasing to say Garfo. Garfo. Is there's a French element to it. I've been spelling it with an O in my notes, but I, maybe it is G A R F E U X Garfo. <laughs> Which also, so I was going to say it needs to be G A R F O T to be fully more like waiting for Godot, Ooh. but when you introduce the Garfo, 
uh, the F E A U X of it that yeah. introduces the element, perhaps leading to the true ending of maybe there is no Garfo. Maybe there is a faux Garf. <laughs> There's so many layers there, but they're all really oh. kind of dumb which I'm into. I, I'm about to type something in and okay. you'll see this and understand. Garfo. <gasps> F-O-E. Oh, what what ending you get? You know what ending you got because we put in big block letters, Control oh. Allen Way two block letters, waiting yes. for, and then Garfo is if it's fake. Garfo is if Garfo Garf is your enemy. If yes. if it is uh, the, I, the the default one that most people will get because most endings lead to this is F O T because it's existential and John has had a breakdown. <laughs> yes, and there's some where it's like Garf. Oh. And I don't know, maybe <laughs> maybe you do maybe that's a surprise one where you mess up so bad that it comes early. It's like you have no hope and so you're surprised by it. Um yes. May I say something cursed? Yes. I you haven't asked so far in this episode if you can, so I'm worried this is extra cursed. <laughs> Are we going to have an ending that's waiting for Garfall? <laughs> Garfall! Yeah. Is, is, is that an ending that we can or should pursue? Yes. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll have to make sure that there's a, another accessibility option. Not accessibility, <laughs> but another option that makes it streamer safe. Uh, and yeah. if you click that on, it's impossible to get that ending. That and once in a lifetime is disabled because it's copyright. <laughs> Yes, we have we've substituted um a a copyright safe. Um yeah. And the time goes by. <laughs> and While it's no blowing above ground. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> uh yes, absolutely. Yeah, there's so many varieties we can tap into with that one. But here's a really important question, which is the true ending or is there no true ending to this game? I feel like I'm really interested in your answer to this first. Well, oh. well, the, the, the number of things we've described and discussed, what strikes you as being true to the heart of the Garfo IP, the, the legendary Garfo IP that we need to stay <laughs> true to, what strikes you as being the most necessary or inevitable ending? That's a great question because I do feel like the essence of Waiting for Godot is that there is, I, and and also I think a, a a more overarching question about God is that like how how do you get reassurance in this world that there is such a thing? And I think like that that is such a huge question that this game could tackle. But that the answer <laughs> is that you can never have like, in my opinion, I mean this we're getting into some territory. In my opinion, <laughs> you can never have like a pure reassurance uh, of anything like that. So, I mean, that is like the core of faith. Faith cannot exist without doubt, and therefore, yeah. if you had solid confirmation uh, in the patch notes that Garfo has arrived, that yeah. God is here, uh, that invalidates to some degree the necessity of faith. Yes, but on the Natural other questions hand... questions raised by this video game. Discussing. <laughs> but on the other hand, I'm a gamer and I want there to be a true ending. So it's uh, hard. <laughs> it's hard to weigh these two impulses, which are equal in importance. Absolutely. I, I think for me, the idea of John Arbuckle 
through some sequence of events, I think maybe having to find every other ending and thereby opening the path to mm. true self-actualization. I think John with an H R Buckle, John Buckle, mm. yeah, needs to leave the house. I think oh. the final step is you opening the door yourself and <gasps> stepping into the blessed light. Okay. And you can only get that when you've unlocked all of the other endings. Because I do feel like a gamer impulse would be to just leave really early. Yeah. <laughs> okay. John doesn't have it in him to see or believe mm. in a better world. And by exploring yes. all of these other brain paths, all these chronologies, we provide John Buckle with the opportunity to envision a better world. That's gorgeous. That's actually such a beautiful meditation because there's also like, I, it, you can interpret that as being very literal. Obviously, he's just leaving this this bad situation, but also like this metaphorical, the waiting for f the freedom of death, question mark. Like, I think there will be a lot of discussion about like, is this John dying? Is this John succumbing to that unknown next step? That's incredible. For people who don't want waiting for Garfo spoiled for them, they should stop listening now and leave the podcast a positive <laughs> review. But for our purposes, discussing the true meaning of the true ending, I think at least one of the endings has to be John committing suicide. And the idea mm -hmm. of in our minds, the true ending is John has self-actualized, walks into the blessed light leaves behind possessions, leaves behind mm. this toxic relationship with Garfo, completely abandons the past mm. to discover who he is as a person and what he deserves. I think that is the optimistic ending that we can provide and that yes. we so need in 2023. <laughs> yes. I mean, this game isn't going to come out for, I mean, the legal battles alone that we're going to have to fight. <laughs> but yes, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's kind of beautiful is like the, I mean, that, that, I mean, that's such the core of like, I recently rewatched, uh, heaven help me, I recently rewatched um, Groundhog's Day, because I was like, I was curious oh, to how boy. it holds up. Yes. But I mean, one of the OG time loop fictions, arguably the one that thrust it into the mainstream of our culture. And the point of that is like he it's about self-realization. It's a very Zen approach about being like you escape this monotony and this repetition by accepting the moment to moment experience of living life and understanding that like you can't control things and you can't make everything perfect. And so like, I feel like that this is so this time loop roguelike is so true to that origin of the genre where it is very much like accepting the fragility of life and the unexpectedness and, and giving yourself over to it in a way, which I think is beautiful. In, Unrelated news, Groundhog Day, the musical, was nominated <laughs> for eight Laurence Olivier Awards in 2017. <laughs> and when it opened for Broadway in 2017, it was nominated for seven Tonys. So Groundhog Day, the musical, what? has already in other mediums <laughs> wow. produced a immensely successful creatively and commercially uh, showing for itself. That's actually pretty incredible. Is it still running? Do you have information about if it's still on Broadway? 
It can't be, It closed right? in 2017, <laughs> and it got revived again in London in 2023. Okay. All right, London listeners, you got to get out there. It is the highest grossing production in the old Vic's entire history. That's absolutely perplexing. I can't, okay. I'm, I'm, I feel like I really want to listen to the cast recording of this. I'm looking you- at what else was shown in the old Vic. A lot of pr- pretty... Dang big names having played with the old Vic and Groundhog Day is the one with resilience. Groundhog Day is the one that you can't keep down. Interesting. I, I can see also that the same person played Phil Collins, uh, Phil Connors, sorry, Phil Collins is different. Phil Connors <laughs> in, in all three stagings of this. So good for that, dude. Andy Carl, good for you, dude. Hear me out. Yeah. Why doesn't Phil Collins play either Garfo or John? I think that's some stunt mm. casting that could really bring some gravitas to this ridiculous project. I mean, I would love to hear Phil Collins cover Once in a Lifetime, actually, like a really drum heavy <laughs> Once in a Lifetime <laughs> cover. <laughs> I think that would be pretty spectacular. That would really provide a different energy to the opening of this. Because Once in a Lifetime is a pretty funky, upbeat song, despite what the lyrics are. Because I feel like the lyrics, oh, the lyrics are really appropriate for this it feels like really appropriate for this for this game that we're making. So that's tricky. Uh, yeah, I think if we can hire Phil Collins for John Buckle, <laughs> we should definitely try. We should get our people to talk to his people. Phil uh, Collins, if you're listening to this, we've got the role of a lifetime for you. <laughs> okay, so what are some of the things John Buckle can do in this house in order to summon, like, how grounded are the options going to be? Or are there going to be, because you've offered some pretty wild options, like the idea that he has a copy of the Anarchist Cookbook just in his (laughs) library, which is pretty wild to me. The only reason I don't have a copy of the Anarchist Cookbook is because I'm afraid of the law. So (laughs) if I was more true to myself... I feel if most people were more true to themselves, they would have a copy of the Anarchist Cookbook (laughs) in some way, shape, or form. Uh, No comment. (laughs) Okay, we will stop this thread here so we don't have any more lists. But I think you have to give options all over the map. There there has to be at least one where you summon Garf Utlu or whatever because... You are so good at portmanteaus. I can't believe this. <laughs> Thank you. I shove things together until they hurt me, and then I say them out loud. So, <laughs> uh, the idea of at least one supernatural ending, like mm. when we bring Garfo to the market, having a wide spectrum of player choice, but actually a pretty reasonably scoped set of endings all falling under different categories feels like a way of having an expansive playground that's mm-hmm. still meaningfully managed. Yeah, I think that's a wide choice. I, I think this is sort of, it's sort of like, uh, did you play Elsinore, which is a Hamlet time loop game? I did not play it, but I am familiar with it, and yeah. it looks really cool. It is, and it, it has this sort of thing where it's like there's a lot of characters, and so the depth of interaction is quite surprising, but there are uh, a selection of endings, and so sometimes you do things that don't necessarily change the ending, but which the even the experience of engaging with is very satisfying. So I think mm. we could do something like that, but with these objects in John Arpuckle's house. And it, it, we've really helped ourselves a lot because uh, the the amount of dialogue is functionally zero because 
John Buckle doesn't engage with anybody else. Uh, like maybe there's a phone and he can call out, but who's he going to call? The sad man? J-Bones? <laughs> Nobody. So so we really have like, it, we can really focus on on the amount of objects we have. And so you could have like, you could have like, candles and those candles can be put on the table to make a nice kind of cozy arguably romantic setting for this rigatoni dinner but you could also use those in some sort of nefarious uh, evil ritual which will summon a supernatural being the garfulu so it's things like that we we'd have to really focus on creating objects that can be used in a variety of really interesting ways and then then the gameplay is emergent with the player finding out how to use these things that makes sense. I'm on board with this. The idea of you have a spray can. What do you could do with that spray can? You could do the Garf pentagram. The Garf pentagram. <laughs> but you could also simply black out all of the windows in the house. And oh, what does that do? Yeah. What does that create? What does that say about John Buckle's mental state? Bad. <laughs> Bad. You think he's not in a good place? I don't think that's a good one. It Could covers it with tin do foil. This? Spray over all the <laughs> Yes, and then using some of the tin foil that you can use to wrap up leftovers. You can use it to waterproof your your shower sandwich, or you can use it to cover your windows and try to protect yourself from the alien variant of Garfield. Uh, sorry, of Garfo. I don't know why I said Garfield. That's not. Um, Garfield is not we don't we don't even know about Garfield what's Garfield never heard never heard of it never (laughs) Uh, yeah so in like there there are there are alien variants of Garfo that you could summon and that's maybe that's that's building to one of those right and then you you've also got the the more mundane ones where it is just like you just did a bad job making the rigatoni Sometimes you just do a bad job with rigatoni. It's easy, but, you know, sometimes you're just not there. If I may ask a personal question, is this at all true to your personal experience? With rigatoni or with aliens? I am far more interested in the aliens one, but we can talk about that after the broadcast. Is rigatoni kind of a universal constant in being the determinant of one's day and being a (laughs) crucible that you must undergo at one point or another in this life. Not very often, but it feels so much like lasagna where it feels like one of those foods that even if you don't cook a lot, you could probably make a passable rigatoni and eat it for lunch every day of a week. Or if you were a sad single man who didn't <laughs> hadn't really developed those life skills, those important life skills, you could probably make rigatoni if you were having somebody over. Uh, okay. Yeah. And as far as my uh, alien experience, it's mostly confined to the time I went to an airport um, for aliens, but it was being run by dogs. So it was kind of a weird experience. Not a lot of aliens to be had. Okay. It feels like in that circumstance, if the dogs are such a dominant force, there's practically no alien presence and it's it's, it's barely worth mentioning, really. Yeah, barely, barely worth mentioning in airport. You would never say that's available on Nintendo Switch, Steam, or (laughs) uh, Xbox. No, you never say that of an an airport for aliens currently run by dogs. So, Garfo. Okay. I'm trying to think of, this is such a fully fleshed out idea. It really feels like all we have left to do is modeling a bunch of household <laughs> goods, but uh, there's got to be more to to spin out here. 
Um, I think the idea of Garfo's supporting cast is really important Ooh, because okay. Dodie and uh, Permal, those types <laughs> of characters, they should play some layer here, but it's so important for John to also be lonely. So do we, is this where we do get in the narrative? Do you, if you've pulled off specific combinations of interactions, do you get maybe the in-world echoes of events before and so john buckle is happy interacting with permal or with dodie and says good boy and you see like the stick uh transparent image fly through the air and dodie picks it up and runs back and you just hear your character give a deep deep sigh (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's most of what phil collins is going to be doing for us it's sighing into a microphone which Uh, really cuts down on costs because that guy so expensive yeah could we just renowned so expensive could we get a phil collins cameo that is just five minutes of him sighing and doing like (laughs) unverbalized grunts that would be lovely (laughs) but the thing that would concern me is we would have to find some way for him to do the ending and at that point he would know that we were up to nefarious intents and he would give a hard no okay yeah that's fair and that's well within his rights to do i yeah i think there this has to be like the yeah this is the narrative aspect of the game where where john does have to be uncovering these hints about Uh, external figures like that's really i think going to underscore the loneliness right where he's like there are other people in this world he just he simply cannot reach out to them and even if he could he can't make contact with them so i think envisioning an earlier world where dodie was a part maybe he finds like some old dog toys Um, yeah i know it's really sad (laughs) i mean it's a contemplative roguelike so (laughs) that's just how it has to be some things are brutal because of the blood and some things are brutal because the violence is so deep (laughs) it's deeper than blood yeah yeah i think that's a really beautiful beautiful aspect of this game that i think is really going to stick with people after they play yeah um do you level up Is is this one of the standard questions that we ask of our video games today? I mean, do the points go up? Does um, John get better at Rigatoni? Because <laughs> it's a time loop, and that's part of the time loop thing, is that your main character gets smarter. Uh, slash you, the player, get smarter as you learn more about the world. But does he level up his Rigatoni skills? <laughs> I personally think that Rigatoni, might, Rigatoni leveling up might be a step too far, because one, it allows the player expression to play more of a prominent part because is your skill as a player that determines how good your rigatoni is not an arbitrary measurement it is your adjacent knowledge and interaction with the community somewhat like dark souls we had to bring up dark souls we're talking about making a game somewhat like dark souls we can have this set of discussions and figure out how do you make a good rigatoni? Perhaps this is knowledge you can take outside of the game, much like how do you dodge roll around a massive wolf with a sword in yeah, which its you learn, mouth? Yeah, you learn physically how to do. Yeah. So there's that. But the second thing is, if I made a rigatoni in a video game playing as a depressed John Buckle and Garfo kicked down the door when I was done and said uh, it wasn't good enough and then I saw a little... XP bar to go towards <laughs> Rigatoni level two. I would simply quit 
and curl into a ball underneath the covers and not emerge. I can't personally sustain this this injury and attack against my soul. The indignity. The indignity of a rigatoni level up bar. No, okay. That was my instinct too, Zalavir. And I'm so glad that you reaffirmed that in my heart. I, I love to yes in. I think yes in is so important, but here one has to you one have has to, to set their has to set their line. I think on this show we have yes and we also have no Jenna. And I think that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. It, I had to raise the specter of the numbers go up and I'm glad that we put that to bed. Uh, so John numbers go up. Where we can't get that is John gets really into online gambling. Ooh, I love that. I love games within games. So I would love if there was, yeah, like an online poker game that you can play also in the game. And time passes faster when you're playing the online poker game. And it always <sighs> seems like you're one hand away from really making all that cash. That so and sad. John, as a depressed content creator, sitting down in front of his setup and he has to make his setup work and it keeps glitching out. And when he finally gets it working <laughs> in that one ending where you are about to go full content creator. He's resolved the microphone issues. He's reconnected his GPU. Then, <laughs> then Garfo kicks down the door. He, he's always one good day away, one resolved technical issue day away from being able to be a Schreiber. It's too real. <laughs> it's simply too real. Just some every day you sit down and be think to yourself, today's the day we're not gonna have any technical issues and this is just gonna work. <laughs> it never is. <laughs> it never is. Oh, that's tragic. Okay. Garfo holds a mirror to ourselves, and that's what's important. Um, a dark mirror that you don't want to look into. <laughs> oh god uh i do think there is a rigatoni recipe in the game that you can follow in real life that's my last statement on that <laughs> yes that's yes. that's necessary um well god i think this is a really waiting for Gof garfo uh, how are okay here's an important question this will be the last question i ask before we wrap this up which is how is it spelt in this title for maximum intellectual points, because we're going to spend all of them within the first like 30 seconds of the game as people realize this isn't a smart video game at all. I think G-A-R-F-O-T would be my vote. Yeah, I think I think that's a good instinct because that that is how to make that portmanteau land home. You have to mimic the style. God. All right. Uh, Zalavir, what do you have to plug? El Paso Elsewhere just came out on Xbox and on PC via Itch, via Steam. We are looking at other platforms, but cannot guarantee them. So if you'd like to support our studio, we are currently trying to reach overwhelmingly positive before the big Steam autumn sale. Ooh. Overwhelmingly positive is when you reach 500 reviews on Steam and 95% of them are positive. And El Paso Elsewhere is currently at... 428 reviews on Steam oh. with that 95% rating. So we are so close oh, to not just getting our flowers, but getting a mark on the game that significantly helps its success in the studio. So oh. if you're going to buy El Paso elsewhere on any platform, pick it up on Steam, review it. We make a lot of games from the game famously banned earlier this year temporarily for allegedly <laughs> teaching children to gamble all the way to projects 
like an airport for aliens currently run by dogs that <gasps> ask the question of how is society a better, kinder place when dogs run it and their philosophy gets to run wild. So you can follow <laughs> at Strange Scaffold a variety of places. You can pick up uh, our latest stuff on places like Steam, Xbox, and Switch. And finally, you can follow me at Rit Nelson, W-R-I-T Nelson, a variety of places. If listening to what we've done here has not scared you from looking inside our twisted minds and i'll just thank you so much for having me this has been a delight thank you so much for coming on uh i agree um i'm really proud of what we've done here today Big Game Hunger is a part of Multitude Collective of Podcasts, edited and mixed by the talented Nisha Stanton and created and hosted by me, Jenna Stever. To support this show directly, subscribe at patreon.com slash thejenna. And if you haven't already, it would be really helpful if you left a review, much like you should for all of the, the basically any indie game that you play on Steam. Is, as Zalavir pointed out, it is really hard to get to that overwhelming positive. And I think people think that very positive is a lesser standing. No, it just means that fewer people have reviewed it. Uh, it doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's not a great, it doesn't mean it's not a 100 out of 100 game. So yeah, just review our show, review all these games uh, and we would really, really appreciate it. Uh, Zalavir, what's one word, adjective, gameplay type, premise, etc., that you want added to the ingredient list? Can it be two words? Yeah, Can it absolutely. be two words in one term? Yeah. Because if there's one thing that comes out of this, it's that shower food is among the most <laughs> potent terms in English language, and it immediately suggests a direction. If it is allowed to enter the big game hunger lexicon, it will bear fruit. <laughs> um, I, what are you, suggesting that that's going to bear fruit is also a really upsetting concept and phrase. <laughs> uh, here's the question. Do you want that under premise or adjective? Premise, premise? defines the entire game. I think it's an adjective. It's the special sauce. <laughs> it's a first-person shooter. But we're talking shower food here. Is Doom Guy in that shower when there's no demons left to slay, chowing down on a McRib? Only the future episodes of Big Game Hunger can answer this question. Oh my god. Well, I have to shop to the show. <laughs> I desperately want to delve into how good it would be to eat a McRib in the shower because it's a messy, sticky food. But thank you for joining me, Xavier Nelson you. Jr. <laughs> thank you, listeners, for listening to Big Game Hunger. And don't forget to wishlist Waiting for Garfo on Steam. Release date, TBD.